It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My, My Michelle Live. My Michelle Live. Sports time out. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. It's already fun. <laughs> we just start rolling and we've already had fun. It was if I don't press go, fun. we're just going to be having fun behind the scenes all afternoon and take us right into the weekend. Welcome to Sports Time Outs, where we take on sports news, some deeper stories associated with sports, and we always dig for the deepest story, and that's the God story. It's a message of hope. I have my brothers with me and they are just the most fun I think I have in the week to tell you the truth. Let me introduce you to the team. We have with us pastor, chaplain, all around cool guy, player, coach. I don't know what all he does, but be prepared. We're going to get pinged with Garrick Ping. Get ready to get You could have just said, amen. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. We have with us Brent. Author, photographer, Brent R. Baker. Yep, as we always say, that's the song that he makes his wife sing to him every single day. You think you'd be tired of hearing it. And then we have with us Del Didwe. He is a sports writer, author of some of the most, I love this because I love sports and I love Jesus. And he brings them all together in his, in his devotional books. You will love it. Get links for Brent's books and for Dell's at MyMichelleLive.com. Del Didwe. So, guys, glad to have you with us today. It is There's some aftermath to the big event <clears throat> when we talk about the Super Bowl. And, man, that was one of the more entertaining games. When you have a game where there's back and forth over time, you really don't know who's going to come, come out on top. That's the kind of – and – if you don't have your team in and you can just enjoy the game, it's fun that way. I like that. When my are, team are we going to re- we we recap predictions, aren't we? <laughs> because there's only one person on this panel that kind of called it. Yeah, let's take that on. Garrett, go ahead. You deserve the spotlight. Seriously. No, it was a great game. And you. this is the kind of game that you want the Super Bowl to be. And I was less concerned about being right in my predictions, but I did. It was great to see the uh, the Kelsey connection, getting that first touchdown, and and my prediction coming true in the end. Yeah, that it was hard to even from the beginning as you're watching it to see what was going to happen. You know, that first just to grab the ball and you, your first time with the ball, really powering it into the end zone in that first drive. What I like to see, like, and I both don't, is that you saw Kansas City, the defense, and they're out there and they're like, this is, you could see the nerves. You could literally feel it emanating from your television screen. They were just, they had, they took some, had to take some time. Everyone does essentially to settle into the game. So that's where it was pretty unpredictable. You saw both teams settle in and then it became this back and forth, Dell. Yeah, it was a great game, good competition. I think that's what everybody wants in that. You want a good, close game. You want teams going back and forth. You want some scoring. 
obviously. And uh, the outcome it didn't really matter to me. I didn't have a dog in a fight. Right. But you just hate it when the, you talk officials because when the, because when we talk officials, then then the game loses a little bit because it's a lot of not only controversy but a, little, a lot of griping about that afterwards, and, and people can't ignore that. So, yeah, when the officials come front and center, it's a lousy. Great game, lousy finish, put it that way. Yeah, in a way, because there was that four-quarter defensive holding call that people are still talking about. Yeah. Uh, we... You mean Eagles fans are still talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was Fair funny enough. because one thing is that you can't grab a, a Chiefs jersey and grab him, but then the Chiefs offensive tackle can headlock a Bengals defender and take him to the ground. And that's not <laughs> holding. But by golly, lay off that jersey. Well, those jerseys. Yeah, that's a t- that's a real. It's a real tough thing. We had talked about this though, Brent. Even last week that the officials are part of the game but when it's that when you have a something that's so despairing it makes it really difficult and it takes that fair competition feeling out of it yeah one of the things that i find interesting about this is you had a lot of people saying they need to let them play in these situations and the officials shouldn't be making those calls and yet it was what two, three years ago, we had the Rams and Saints in the NFC championship game yeah, where right. there was an egregious pass center interference penalty not called. Miss that yeah. people say that's why the Rams got to the Super Bowl. There were still plays after that that the yeah. Rams had to score to win to get to the Super Bowl. So in this case, we have the officials making a call and everybody's saying, oh, they should never have done that. Yeah, I thought it was one of those 50 50s. Right. Could have gone with it, could have not. So I, I didn't really have a problem with the call. I, what I, from an entertainment standpoint, though, it was unfortunate because you had a great game that then ended the Chiefs correctly, just milking the clock to get the last second field right. goal, yeah, which would have been a lot more fun if they'd had to kick the field goal. And then you could have seen if Hertz and the Eagles could have responded and made the, gone the distance in the final two minutes to to tie it or win it so if all those people who have these conspiracy theories about the nfl being scripted i think this put a nice quash on that because yeah. there would have been your script <laughs> i was just waiting for the officials to give a do-over oh to, yeah <laughs> uh, on that, a, a, a defensive do-over like they gave the chiefs on that offensive do-over it was a 50 50 call we don't know if it was defensive holding or not so we're going to try that one again yeah <laughs> going to the, to the fifty thousand foot level as long as you have human referees yep. you're going to be dealing with this and yep. ideally as you were saying Dell. It's, it's a better situation where there's no discussion about the referees, which means that they did their job well, because yeah. Yeah. you don't know, you don't notice them. The best referee is one that you don't notice. And yeah, in this situation, though, no matter what happened, you would have yeah. had, you would have had had one way or the other and even if it was subject to replay then you would have had frame by frame of whether how far did the jersey get extended and pulled and all that kind of stuff and then you would have had people screaming at the replay refs regardless of which way it went so it's just one of those it's just one of those situations that is is going to happen i don't want the the game to be so robotic and regulated and electronically monitored that it loses some of that human factor 
because I honestly think that the thing that we love about sports is that it is like an analogy for life. You have the struggles, you have the wins, you have the loses, you have the nasty calls in life that just don't Mm -hmm. seem fair. What do you do with that? As a fan, I can watch on the field and I can see how does the team handle it. And we're always inspired when someone walks off and says, yeah, that may not be the best call. I'm here in support of my team and there's always next year. And that just raises something in our spirit. So to that end, I love it. And to another end, my favorite part of the entire Super Bowl wasn't even during the game, the plays. It was at the beginning during the national anthem as Chris Stapleton was singing the national anthem and watching folks on the sidelines and watching Nick Serrani and others tearing up. I was te- I always tear up, though. You guys know that. <laughs> I say the <laughs> national anthem. We're going to talk about the national anthem today. Okay. Thank you, God, for America. I'm such a dork. But it was beautiful, and they were showing it. I love that they were showing the players who quietly, without fanfare, were on the sideline taking the knee and then coming up. That just was beautiful, and it's inspirational, my favorite part. How about y'all? Yeah, it was almost quite as good as Whitney Houston's right there, right there. Yeah, Whitney Houston's, that was beautiful. If you haven't seen it, Google her rendition. We are old, aren't we? Yeah, Yeah, we are. (laughs) Yeah, we are. Whatever. Does that exist on YouTube or is that on... Recorded uh, on stone tablet. Whoa! I didn't even see Josh. No, just, Josh uh, is just, here. Wookie of the year. Wookie of the year. Josh McMillan. Chewy, is Josh, that it's you? Not, not on stone tablets. It's on a thirty-three. Oh, okay. Have it on VHS cassette or whatever. Yeah. Josh McMillan, the silent partner. Josh, your thoughts on the Super Bowl? It was a really good game until it wasn't. Up until that point, though, it was a really good game. So they got that going for it. I just have a little bit of a hard time with that call in that spot. I mean, that that you could call that exact thing on pretty much every single play in football. Just it's a slight grab of the jersey. Yes, he did it, and good on him for admitting it. But everyone else, and many people have come to the sense, yeah, that happens on every play. You like. (laughs) To have the Super Bowl end on that when it was such a good, exciting game, it was just such a. You know, you gotta get banned from YouTube again. I'm not even an Eagles fan. Like it was just like it was such a good game on both sides. Like it was exciting and fun. Like it was cool not having a dog in the race. Yeah, I, I figured too. the Eagles would win because Patrick Mahomes being injured and so all the injuries they're dealing with, and I he. Credit to Mahomes being able to step up. And that's and really what made it exciting, and that's why it had to end that way. No, it, no, it's not. It could have ended with them making another play, or there's a million ways that could have gone that would have been exciting and not, oh, so it's a penalty. could have ended with a goal line interception or something in the final five seconds. It could have. Yeah, I'll give it to you. That was very anticlimactic. It was even less exciting than the Oompa Loompas during halftime. You remember during Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when they were in little hazmat suits? Josh, you had your own opinion of what they looked like. Oh, yeah, they were wampas. 
from Star Wars. Yeah, that halftime show was you know, it also, to me, anticlimactic. There's been better. There's been much worse. Yes. It, it, there, it, oh, the yeah. only controversial thing during the halftime show is that Rihanna did a crotch grab and a hiney grab and then act like she's smelling it which is classless beyond classless but if that's as controversial as you get i guess we're doing okay dell i don't know my thoughts on the whole super bowl thing was like the halftime show was it wasn't bad but it wasn't really good either i mean if you're a fan of rihanna you're gonna love it because you love rihanna and it's her first time performing in a long time. So, sure, you're going to love it. And props to her for doing it pregnant. That's yeah. impressive. Go for, Good for you. Yep. Doesn't make it a great show, though. Uh, and I, I can, too, I'm not a Lady Gaga fan either. I know her music, but I've never sat down. Like, yeah, got to listen to the Gaga album. But her <laughs> halftime show was awesome. Yeah. It was amazing. She, was you know, the- she's a performer. She put on a performance. Rihanna... And yes, she was pregnant. So of course, there's only so much you can do when you're pregnant. But it, there was it wasn't this amazing performance that really drew me in. It was like, eh. if yeah. you don't like her music and not a fan of her music, you're just I'm meh. just gonna say they totally missed the opportunity to have Kansas and the Eagles do a halftime show together. They, you're right. And my one last thought is I've basically I've summed up the Super Bowl so far as the Super Bowl is, and the halftime show is meh. So. There's your summer. <laughs> there you I would go. Like, but do you I know? I would like to see him just bring back a dog chasing a frisbee or something. There's something that people will really get behind and root for. Or there's guys who do the uh, you have the trampolines and do the dunks or something. something like that where people are going, yeah, do that. Instead of an entertainer, bring back, bring up a real comedian and have him do a 20 minute stand up. That'd be oh, awesome. Man fun that would be a lot of fun who did make a big appearance during the super bowl is god and even afterwards and actually Dell, you had a chance in the past to sit down with patrick mahomes who talks about his faith he's he did a lot of that post super bowl which he's he has he's had a lot to say so he what he said post super bowl not unlike what he has said to you in the past yeah he's 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 always seemed to be pretty consistent in that. He says all this stuff, but then you don't see him going out and robbing a bank. So you know, he's being stupid. So he says it, and he basically he stays out of trouble, stays out of controversy, and lives a pretty good life. He seems to back it up from what I've seen. I don't live with him, but everything I've seen him do and be and say has always been consistent. So he's always been, and he doesn't shy away from it. That's what I like. Some guys will say, yeah, I'll talk to you about it, and they kind of whisper but he'll be open about it and talk about it anywhere to anybody. So I always like that. And one of my favorite ones of the interview was Derek Carr. Cause I interviewed, I asked him from the, during the, the press conference, cause I was told to, and he was very open about it and didn't shy away from his faith in front of 50, 60 reporters. So I like that. That's powerful to see yeah. that there was a lot of faith on both sides. And I yeah. thought that was pretty, pretty beautiful, but something else that was funny, there was two, Two Jesus controversies, actually. One is a little bit bigger known and one is lesser known. But DeMar Hamlin made an appearance in the Super Bowl beforehand and they showed him a few times on screen. And if you remember DeMar Hamlin pretty much died on the field during the game after a pretty precise hit and the country was praying for him. 
And there he was, fine, doing well. And he's wearing this jacket that had a depiction of Jesus on the cross. And yeah. it was good. It looked more like a SpongeBob Jesus on the cross. To me. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> And some people were offended and said, hey, that's just, that's horrible. That was, it was offensive. But you know what? No, really, it's no more offensive than, you remember the picture of Jesus we all grew up with, the long, flowing golden locks and blue eyes? That's not what Jesus looked like. I'm sorry, that looked like, you know which one. It looked like Jesus' high school graduation picture or something. Yeah. And it was just, it's a In beautiful Norway, picture. Right? Yeah. But Josh, that's just as offensive because that's not what he looked like. So it's really just, I didn't see anything that was offensive to me, but I don't know. People are always looking for offense, Josh. Yeah, and... I mean, it's like just what the kids are wearing these days, that kind of style. So it's... It was in, oh, sorry, Josh. No, go for it. It's interesting that the criticism came from a believer. <laughs> yes. Came from someone who's committed in his faith and another, I can't remember, was it the other... Was it Adrian Peterson? Yes, yes, it, it, is, was, it is Adrian actually, Peterson. Yes. Although right. he's not been without controversy. I thought it was interesting coming <laughs> a little bit him. from him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but I was kind of like, if it's a believer to believer thing, I... My take would be, okay, so if it offended you, why don't you just call him up instead exactly. of like, instead of and going to the press? And that's the believer thing. You know, that's what we're called to do is to say, go to your brother and say, well, hey, what's up? But it's also a lesson in deference, and we show our faith in different ways. Yeah. Unless you have some, what was it back in the day when they were, some artist had a cross in urine and a mason jar, and that was supposed to be art. That's, that is offensive. For the most part, Christians just said, okay, yeah, that's pretty stupid, and that sucks. It, it's but weird, but like... He's showing his faith, so good on him. And he didn't like we've seen weirder. We're like, are we gonna <laughs> pretend that Cam doesn't exist and that all of his fashion's not not weird? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, the, the it's weird, thing. but he's how he wants to show his faith. I'm not okay. mad at it. And so Damar I wouldn't wear it, but whatever. set the record straight. Damar Hamlin had said, you know what? This is he said, I didn't mean to disrespect anyone. I have a deep faith. This was just abstract art to me. And that's right. where again we need to show deference. People live out their faith in different ways. Unless you're outright yes. biblically unsound, then, you know, you got to live and let live. That's hence why we wow. have so many freaking yeah. denominations. And his humility, I think, really spoke volumes in terms of his character. Yeah. One thing to stand up and try to defend yourself, but it's another thing to say, hey, if I offended you, I'm sorry, that was not my intention. Boom. And it's over. Yeah. If I get offended, I'm not going to go out and tell the world I'm offended. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and go on. And <laughs> the, if he had wore a SpongeBob jacket, somebody would be offended by the SpongeBob jacket. But that's our and culture then, today, Dell. Exactly. Yeah. They get offended by anything. I don't hear. I didn't hear the uproar when Colin Kaepernick wore a shirt with Fidel Castro and one with Malcolm X on his shirt. They didn't. They didn't burn the place down there. So I, I just think people just need to shut up. Just shut up. I like that. If you don't like it, shut up. That's our next t-shirt coming out of Sports Time Out. You can pick exactly. it up at mymichellelive.com. Just shut up. Love it. I like it. The other controversy, Jesus has always been controversial. It's just the way it is. And we talked about He Gets Us campaign, the He Gets Us campaign last week. Yeah. I loved the ads. It really yeah. didn't show elevation of any side of a political issue. It yeah. just said, we all suck and we all need to love. And Jesus yeah. loves us. It was super simple. But of course, afterwards, AOC comes out and says, I'm pretty sure 
sure Jesus wouldn't have spent that much money to elevate elevate fascism. fascism is what she said. Yes. Well, the only thing I'll say about that is I think she saw that commercial. She saw that as fascism. She sees that as competition for her own form of fascism. So to her, that was taking her people away from her because she's the only really fascist in town. Huh. So she'll say, hey, here I am. I'm the fascist. So you don't <laughs> stick with me. People just don't like competition. We've seen a lot of memes online, too, that have said Jesus wouldn't spend $14 million on an ad. He'd be housing 14 million homeless people. Yeah. And, and again, I think it goes back to what you guys were saying, that people are just always offended, Derek. Think about it. We don't get, we don't hear people going on a social media rant because they're on Facebook that says, I can't believe all of these drug companies. They're spending millions of dollars trying to sell us drugs instead of putting that money towards feeding hungry and keeping people healthy. We don't hear that. It's it's a phenomenon known as selective outrage, and it's everywhere. And it's also people needing a dictionary to learn what fascism actually is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, one thing that I got out of this was I did not realize it only costs a dollar to house and feed a person. Yeah. <laughs> so, which was what somebody. What am I doing wrong? Million dollars to house and feed fourteen <laughs> oh, million on. people with that. I was like, wow, <laughs> man. I, hold on that's pretty awesome what am i doing wrong if i could house yeah. a dollar yeah i gotta rethink my budget here i know like you have a, a, in my a house family a cardboard five. box right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i know it's a it's crazy it really is but yet the converse the, as they say no news is bad news what they mean by that is it's it's really publicity and what are people talking about after the Super Bowl, besides the controversial call in the fourth quarter, they're talking about Jesus, guys. Right? How exciting is that? Thing. Come on. It's a good thing. Yeah. Come absolutely. on. Something else I wanted to take on while we're still in football mode, and we're going to transition because there's other things going on out there besides football. But there's a. Yeah, football's like the least interesting thing in sports right now. It really is. It really is. Spring training. But there, there are some shakeups going on in college. And one of those, Texas and Oklahoma have reached an agreement with the Big 12 to leave the conference after this next season. Ohio State's canceling some games with, I'm in Washington, so that's Cray. And they're like, oh, we'll just give you 500 grand, but we're walking away. We don't care about y'all anymore. So some interesting things going on in college. Anyone want to comment on that? Well, the thing about Buckeyes is I think they'll make that up. They said they want to have another home game so they can make that up in towards 20 seconds. They'll make that $500,000 up by by selling $5 waters at the concession stand. So it's not going to be $500,000 of them, nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I I think having lived in Michigan for 20 years, I can say right now it sounds like an OSU thing to do. But anyway, beyond that, it's like when you – with the way – college football is progressing with the SEC and Big Ten basically eating up the rest of the sport. What you end up with is what you end up with in the long run is no one. You're only going to have you create these super teams and super conferences and it's going to just continue to fracture and narrow down. So I don't think that these any of this stuff is healthy for the game. Good luck to Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC. Really good. Good luck. The next time we see them in um I guess they could make an expanded playoff 
I'm going to say the next time you see them in the playoff will be after they decide the SEC isn't for them and they leave. Yeah. <laughs> and USC and UCLA and the Big Ten. I'm just looking forward to seeing all these Southern California boys going up to play in Ann Arbor and Columbus in, in November. Right. Um, that's going to be a new experience. It's going to be a very new experience. <laughs> okay, quick question. The uh, We have a new thing going on that was but it wasn't and that's the xfl how do you think the xfl is gonna go anywhere they have fewer teams this year i haven't had great communication with their media outreach people i just don't how serious are they are we gonna see the xfl flourish what are you guys thoughts on xfl i know that they aren't aren't taking their logos as seriously big downgrade Big downgrade for Seattle, so I don't know. Yeah, they did. I'm I'm, not... I don't really want the swag anymore. It's like my, it's like Fisher Price, my first Dragons logo. <laughs> You're not kidding, Josh. I wish I had something I could show that I could grab. But yeah, and if you don't have a team near you, it's hard to get excited. I've seen this with Major League Rugby. I love Major League Rugby, and it has been really fun to watch, but it's starting to fizzle. And some of that is their inability to reach out. They're reporting on it. When you follow <laughs> I was watching Major League Rugby quite a bit, and you, these kids on the sideline doing their reports, and they're wearing the, the jeans with the big holes in them and such. It's You're not going to look like a professional sport if you don't look like a professional sport and i ha- just don't get that feel with with the xfl Thoughts, yeah guys? I, I feel like they they need to make sure they're getting like actual media people on board not people that are aspiring media i mean that's always good to have get people in on all ends of the spectrum but that means all ends of the spectrum not just whoever just like reaches out to you and says hey we'd like to cover your game no you got to reach out to the media in your area you got to buy in nhl is a different beast so it's not apples to apples here but look at how the kraken handled their expansion into seattle they built their outreach center they were reaching out to people they're having events they've engaged with the community and obviously that's on a different scale than what xfl or or rugby is the seawolves are going to be able to hit but it's the same idea right yeah. and i think garen's trying to say somebody's muted all right, I want to move on to see if there's any... Garrett's Garrett's got thoughts. He just has to. Yeah, he's trying to pang us. Yeah, and I, I I agree with you, Josh. But it's not apples to apples, and I think this is the challenge. No matter how good a club is or what they're doing, because the Sounders saw this before they had the MLS club. Because I was actually the chaplain for the Sounders during the USL days, and then seeing it in transition to the MLS. And so I agree, but it is definitely a whole different animal when you have it. Because we had the, the Thunderbirds and the Seattle hockey teams. and Junior hockey. Yeah, but it's not the same thing when you go to, to the NHL. And so I think in that, from that respect, I don't really feel like you can really compare the two. And Major League right. Rugby, it just, you don't have the fan base because you don't have the exposure and the understanding of the game. You know, uh, that there's part of that. But in the Seattle area, for example, that Major League Rugby team called the Seawolves won the Shield the first two. They were there the first three years, if I remember right. But they had sold out crowds, and that's great. Now, I don't think, Adele, you've been in, in the reporting and backstage area a lot. Even if you're not as big or well-known as hockey or football, 
if you're not giving at least a professional persona, if you have high school looking kids in ripped jeans reporting on the sidelines, how easy is it to take? To me, it doesn't really matter how big you are. You can grow, but you've got to set a standard for excellence. And I'm not seeing that with the XFL and I didn't see it with major league rugby. No, we have, we don't have, we, we don't have a dress code, but we, uh, up in the press box, if you've ever been there, and up in those, they say, they give us all this little speech prior to the game. This is a professional environment. You're to conduct yourself professional, man. No rooting for teams. And they also touch on dress code. If you know women are supposed to wear flip-flops and guys can't show up in shorts because they'll probably be ushered out. We'd probably we'd be asked to either leave or don't, or girls don't go in the, don't go down to the locker room. So there is a unwritten dress code, but yeah, you have to be taken seriously. The only way to be taken seriously is to, be a professional and when you dress inappropriately or lousy like you just got out of bed then that's how you're going to be treated and that's also the image that the league will portray and you know what it's easy for me to talk about this because i'm the girl on the squad here but i have ever had a problem with women trying to find their place in sports reporting and what to wear when they're on the sidelines wearing like they look like they're going to go clubbing afterwards and they have the big dangly earrings and the sparkly this it's you guys have it dialed in you have the suit you have the tie sometimes it's the suit without the tie okay or if you're like clint dempsey it's a whole nother thing but uh, but i think it's easier for guys it's easier for guys too there's one choice there's a suit it's a suit <laughs> yeah. and it's a tie. But come on, and you know so, what? We, not, we I mean, could do that Unless too. you're Terry Crews, then you have a million different colored suits. <laughs> But they're still all suits. They're all suits. But you know what? You have cho- you you have one choice because that's a standard for professionalism. And there is that for women too. And mm-hmm. women can wear a suit, whether it's with a skirt or with a pants. But the whole nightclub cutout uh, shoulder thing, it just doesn't, it's harder in a time where we're coming to prominence in reporting and playing and such. And then on top of it, men, that identify as women can take our places. I think it's an important time women to step it up and be professional. I say as I'm just wearing a t-shirt and a cracking hat, whatever. I'm not reporting. I'm just talking. I don't think you'll see men who identify as women in in a football locker room. I just nope. don't think they, would. they want to, if they want to see women, they want to see women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might see it if maybe that maybe we'll see some well. of that at the She Believes Cup, which yeah. is what I wanted to take on for our face-off issue before we get into maybe Josh, you can prepare for a little info as to what we can expect as we get into spring training and baseball season. But the She Believes, we're going to see Canada and the U.S. Women's National team face-off. The women's U.S. national team is now one of the highest paid professional sports, period, not just in women, women's sports. And Canada is struggling with that. We're even expecting that in this soccer tournament that we'll see some protests. So I wanted to face off on that and talk about... Yes. How do we navigate... How do we navigate in the future going forward payment for women? And what is a woman anyway? (laughs) I'm not a biologist, so I'm not qualified. (laughs) (laughs) True story. I mean, the answer is simple, though. You navigate it based on the market, what the market bears. With 
women's soccer, women's basketball, like you're paid according to the market and what your market cap is. I know I've talked ad nauseum about <clears throat> women's soccer and how originally I was like, oh yeah, they should be paid. They're like, wait, they are getting paid more actually in a different way because they don't have clubs. So they're wanting all of the benefits a club would provide for you. Just to give a quick recap, U.S. women's men's soccer was complaining because the men's counterparts got bigger bonuses, but the men's counterparts were basically making exclusively bonuses. So they had they were offered the exact same deal as the men and they didn't want it because they wanted salaries and they wanted benefits instead of that. And then when they got that deal, they then still complained that they're not getting the same bonuses as then the men. It was so they wanted to be paid. Instead of yes. just a bad decision, which I just think reflects poorly on women it's what you can't make good decisions for yourself it was just it was a mess all the way yeah. around we saw it with the women's basketball too where they're like why aren't we paid more it's because you don't your sport doesn't bring in the same money and i'm sorry i know i'm i've i'm sexist because i don't watch women's basketball here but the reason i don't watch the storm is because they told me if i'm if i don't want to watch them i'm sexist so i didn't really feel inclined to watch them because that it's, it just doesn't ring well to me. If you want to get people to watch your sport, then get people to watch your sport, be engaging, be fun. Don't call people bad for not being interested or not having the time to invest in your sport. Yes, we have a great team here in Seattle. I know what they do. I know how good they are, but it's, you got to actually try to engage and don't just tell people that they're on the wrong side politically if they don't like watching you play a sport. And that's along the lines, I don't watch a lot of basketball anyway. I like basketball. Josh, you used to play I used basketball, to. I know, but it just get when things go overly political and you know what, honestly, I go to soccer get matches all the time, but Dell, dude, it, it, it starts getting so political. I, I'm starting to feel like, yeah, I'm out. I don't get that when I go to hockey games and I'm loving it. I get fights on the ice that's celebrated and the refs are there going, okay, all right, you've had enough. It's like old school sports watching hockey. So I enjoy it. I'm tired and weary of the politics. It's not very inspirational. A guy on the sidelines taking the knee and pointing upward, cool i can handle that that's awesome that's that's inspirational but telling me that i suck because i'm not voting the way you're voting i can't take it i'm out yeah and so i think they should be paid fairly they should be paid fairly yes. but they have to understand what your market cap is if you're if your market cap increases then you get paid more you should be paid proportional to the market cap like i don't think the wnba should be paid less proportionally to the market cap than the NBA players, but their market cap is considerably smaller. And in fact, they are subsidized by the NBA. No, we're going to get canceled because you're sounding an awful lot like a capitalist, Josh. Let's, let's I talk know. baseball, shall we? <laughs> it's a problem I have. It's a disease. <laughs> let's talk baseball. Thankfully. Yes. Happily talk baseball. That's the real exciting thing that's going on right now. I don't know about all this football nonsense and junior varsity teams. You guys are talking about Fisher price. <laughs> My first football. <laughs> it's baseball season, baby. Pitchers and catchers reported this week for spring training for the Mariners out in Peoria, Arizona. Oh, you're so cute. The Mariners report by Josh because that's his <laughs> team. That's precious. That is my team. They're reporting out. Hey, but they're relevant now. They I are know. relevant. <laughs> Finally. They are relevant. Despite what everyone might still try to think, and I've seen a lot of reports. Of, yeah, the Mariners, they got maybe 85 wins, so they're regressing despite having arguably the best rotation in baseball for starting pitchers 
having improved along their line along their their lineup i don't know i'm very excited for what the season has to bring and there are some questions for these mariners the biggest being can jared kelnick step up to the plate and be who we thought and know jared kelnick could be he's a guy who didn't struggle pretty much at all on his way up to the big leagues and then has struggled mightily he's going to be protected this year though and jerry depoto said as much that they didn't really protect him in the way they brought him up and he struggled at times and he does not bat well against lefties. he bats well against right-handed pitching and when he sometimes he'd get in his head after going against a tough lefty and not being able to get a hit this year they brought in aj pollock who is aging a little bit kind of on the tail end of his career but Me the too. guy mashes lefties <laughs> he mashes lefties and he'll be a great platoon so Kelly could just bat right and see if he can come along but yeah this team is very exciting i'm so stoked to see what we get in st- i want to go to spring training one of these days i need to get down there i think and, that's a uh, good idea i've gone many times to spring training and it's pretty exciting the energy it has the feel of going to a college game which has an entirely different feel than going to a professional ball game and it's just it's just a lot looser and more fun. I absolutely love it. Getting into the excitement of spring and baseball. Yeah, I do love it. Guys, it's time for us to take our final shot. Let's final do it. shot. Garrick, paying us. I'm going to give my final shot to Jesus. I'm just laying it out there. Because... <laughs> Wait, to SpongeBob Jesus or Nordic Jesus? Which one are we talking here? You, you can... Abstract art Jesus. Look out for the lightning. No. Here's the thing, and this is, you make a great point, is that Jesus weathers it. However people talk about him, however they express themselves, and whatever it might be, he is who he is. And there's no, nothing that can be done to bring him down. There's nothing that can be done to make him any greater than he is because he is who he is. Man, who wants to follow that? (laughs) (laughs) Brad. Mine is about an article. So I'll give the final shot to a reporter named Greg Bishop, who did work for the Seattle Times. I don't remember exactly when, but he put, wrote an article for Sports Illustrated last week about probably the worst moment in Seattle sports history, but one of the most spectacular endings to a Super Bowl for an objective fan, which was the Seahawks Patriots in Arizona eight years ago, because that was where the Super Bowl was this time, was the first Super Bowl since that infamous Malcolm Butler interception of Russell Wilson in the end zone, where it looks like looked like the Seahawks were going to win their second Super Bowl in a row, and they didn't. But this article, he goes really deep into how that impacted like both organizations. It probably launched Tom Brady into the second half of his career where he won super three Super Bowls in four years after not having one for 10 and how it really mm-hmm. was the downfall of what looked like was going to be a Seattle dynasty never turned out to be. There was just a quote from it that, that actually what really got me going into it is because Marshawn Lynch, who was known for not saying a whole lot when he was a player, I think his best quote was, I'm just here so I won't get fined at the Super Bowl press conference. But he talks a lot in this story um, about how it's really interesting to be a guy who is best known for a play that he had nothing to do with. (laughs) (laughs) A play where he didn't Uh, touch the ball. 
he didn't touch the ball. There's a lot that he said in this, so it was very insightful. Notably, they didn't talk to Russell Wilson. And you can't get a hold of him unless you talk to him. You can't agent. get a hold of him. But it was you no, know, it was a really good article that went far beyond just like the really emotional nature of how that game ended. Yeah, and I think I, mean, I really think if I were a Seahawk fan, I would look at that and say that was the best Super Bowl ever because there was a whole lot that went into that game back and forth, just amazing plays and unsung heroes and all sorts of stuff that completely got lost in the way that game ended. But that's and that's good, really good that deeper that story, too. isn't it? Because yeah. that's where in life and in the game, what defines you? What mm-hmm. is it that defines you? It did change the makeup and the attitude of the Seahawks because that winner, th- that was what defined them, losing mm-hmm. that and losing face and bad decisions. And th- I guess that's something to think about for the deeper story. Del, hang on. Let's go to Josh for his final shot. Yeah, my final shot. I'm actually going to take a shot here and give some advice to Russell Wilson. <laughs> Man. Your whole charity thing, you've done some real good out there, but you got to take accountability. And we saw him have issues taking accountability when his last year here, when there was a couple times Pete called him out. I was like, I've done that a million times. So, you know, I just got to trust myself. Like when you mess up, take accountability. When your charity is spending 25 cents on the dollar, instead of saying, oh, we've done all this good. And then posting Instagram pics with the CEO of a private jet company, take accountability. Like every other Walter Payton man of the year that was interviewed in that story said that, yeah, I want to do better. Russell Wilson was the only one that they couldn't get in contact with. So Russell Wilson, fire Mark Rogers, get someone around you that can tell you no and do better. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. Del, you're going to be last, but before you go, because mine's kind of anticlimactic, my final shot is going to go to three baseball movies because I'm getting ready for spring training, and all of them have elements of faith. Two of them are older. One is A Mile in His Shoes, which is based on a novel, and it tells the story of a minor coach that finds this autistic young man that's throwing apples to his pigs like a pro. And he elicits him to play. And it's a, it, Dean Cain stars in this. It's a good film. There's an, another older film called The Final Season with Sean Austin. It's another, has a lot of strong faith elements. And one that is available right now on Pure Flix, it's called Running the Bases. And it loosely resembles Coach Joe from Bremerton, Washington, who would take a knee during the after the games and had to go all the way to the Supreme Court court in his fight so three baseball movies get you in the mood for spring training Dell, bring us home i'm glad you gave me more time because i had actually forgotten to <laughs> <laughs> like, hey. you put that in the email remember you're yeah. looking up your final shot yeah. yeah. so you guys are talking like so i the only thing i popped in my mind is i'm gonna get a little nostalgic here back in 1986 the week of the nba all-star week which is you know at the first that was the first nba three-point contest and if anybody ever wants to see a true one of the greatest shooters ever in this world, go back and replay that. That's when Bird came out. Larry Bird was a, it was the first year was the inaugural season or for that event for the three point shootout. Misses his first shot and hits 11, 11 three pointers in a row. Eleven Ooh. in a row. Then he goes. Th- then the next seven he has three banks a three pointer on purpose. He said he did it on purpose. <laughs> 
and then finishes the last rack three of five. And to hit 11 three-pointers in a row is – people talk about Steph Curry or whatever – 11. I can't even make three, like 11 baskets in a row. Between that and Michael Jordan in his prime in the, in the dunk the contest, dunk. that that was really a, one of the golden yeah. eras of the NBA. It was. That, that Dr. J's rock the cradle dunk is the greatest of all time. <laughs> I love it. I think we all want to give at least a kind of shout out to Garrick's pick because that is the greatest of all time. Jesus Christ, you yeah. can't go wrong there. That's the God story and the source of inspiration for whatever game you're playing in life. If you want to see a victory in the end through the ups and the downs, put your faith where it really belongs. Thank you for watching, listening. Brothers, thank you for joining with me. It's been a lot of fun. We'll catch you next time. Don't forget to listen, comment, whatever it is you're going to do it at MyMichelleLive.com. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.